When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi gets loose and Bergeron scores. Patrice There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back for episode 20 of the podcast. This is the Dallas Smith edition, and after a two-week break, we're back, back bringing you all the recent news and opinions of everything Bruins hockey. Rob, what's up, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, uh, it's been busy. We uh, we've been on a two-week hiatus, so and uh, it's actually been good though, uh, in yeah. in two ways. I've been busy with uh, writing and researching, and and you've been busy on uh, on uh, moving into a new palace, huh? Yeah, definitely. Nice. It's been a been a long couple of weeks, but it's good. Excellent. Uh, not much news in the Bruins world, but uh, just to catch up from uh, the past two weeks, um, Colin Miller was uh, signed to a uh, two-year deal, $1 million per year, and uh, Joe Morrow was signed to a one-year $800,000 deal. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two signings? Uh, I'm surprised that Morrow's getting less than Miller, to be honest. Uh, two good, re- really good signings because we've got to keep those guys around. I mean, if you let Miller walk, then we've just given up on one of the trade pieces from the Sagan trade. So, Luch. Uh, definitely good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Miller. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, bringing Miller back and now he's on an NHL contract, so he's kind of guaranteed a bit more ice time this season, and you probably not see him drop down to the minors. Yeah, this so, is to me, this is a prove it contract. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. he's 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 definitely got all the skills to be in the NHL, and now he's got the time uh, invested. So. Um, I, I believe in the kid. I, like I said in, in many podcasts prior to this, um, I, I've seen a bunch of his games in, in, when he was with the uh, Manchester Monarchs in the American Hockey League, and he's got the he's got the, all the attributes of a of a of a great defenseman. And I, I I hope he does prove that he wants to stay in the NHL. Yeah, definitely because 
he shows grit and determination every time he gets on the ice. Right. So, he, and he's not one of them guys who, if he makes a bad play, he's heads down and he's not. He's thinking about stuff that happened before in the game instead of what's happening now. So, I I just really want to see him succeed. I think he's one of those guys who needs a bit of encouragement and a bit of bit of a push, but. I could see him playing with a guy like Lyles and Lyles like kind of teaching him a bit of his like veteran presence and giving him a few tips. But I, a lot of people are saying, oh, they see him as Chara's D partner next season, but I, d- I don't think so. I don't think they'll give him that much responsibility as it, on his first full season. Right. But yeah, they definitely great. two great signings I was waiting for them two names to come up with the re-signs so yeah. for me Morrow is just a, a depth <clears throat> signing uh, still a developing player um, I, I, I'm, I'm still not sold on the uh, defensive core and the belief that this team that this could change I believe change can has to happen but it's going to be with new faces yeah is Morrow's Morals is a two-way deal, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure on those details. Oh, I don't have Fanager up right now. Well, I think from what I saw, it was a two-way deal, so you might see him starting off next season down in Providence, getting some, like, getting more minutes down there and getting back into his play. Which would actually make sense because um, he's... I mean, do you do you have a feeling that the Bruins are going to actually go out and get or make a trade for another defenseman? Because that would make sense if he's on a two-way deal. Uh, yeah, but I was I was going to talk about this a li- little bit later on, but okay, the the way that I saw, like I see them doing a deal, is not for a big top-end guy who's going to cost you a fortune, but it's for another. Colin Miller type guy who's had a really good year in the AHL and looks like he'll be good in the NHL That I'd rather see them do that and get a bottom pairing guy who can play some minutes on a base level contract maybe even an entry level deal and save us some cap money than going out and spending a fortune like asset wise but also spending a fortune cap wise if you get one of these top guys, you're not only giving up a top-end player, you're also giving up a hell of a lot of cap to re-sign them. Because all the guys that are mentioned in any trade dealings at the moment are all guys that either have one year left on the contract or they're restricted free agents right now. So Interesting. Uh, I'm on generalfanatic.com right now, and he... He has an NHL salary of 800000 and the AHL salary is not listed. So, in my unprofessional opinion, that means that this deal is a one-way. Yeah, it must be. It's not listing an AHL contract. Right. So, but 800000 is not really going to make a difference. If he does start in the AHL, which... To me, I would because I think we've got seven NHL-ready defensemen right now. So maybe they leave him in the minors until there's an injury or until we need another player. But he'll be subjected to waivers. Not to come up, to go down. He will. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I say, like, I'd leave anyone who who you're gonna scratch for the start of the season. I'd send them down to the minors first while there's no waivers happening. So guys like, if you're going to scratch Griffith for the first five games maybe and see how your veterans do, you send him to the minors, then bring him up. Let him have play time instead of just sitting and watching. So, yeah. The, the, but the... then again, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then, so... Yeah, the, the, when you talk about Griffith, um, yeah. I think the Bacchus uh, trade really sealed the deal for his uh, future in Boston. See, I, I don't think so. Because 
you you got Colin uh, not Colin Mill. You got Brett Connolly going out, so that's straight away a roster spot there. And then if they are gonna do what people have talked about where they're gonna have four really deep lines of centre position where you've got a guy like Ryan Spooner centre in the fourth line and David Backus on the third, which I don't see happening. Yeah, you talked about the, uh, him not being a third-line player a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that, that contract is not for a third-line player. That contract is for a first- or second-line player. So, the, I guarantee, I, I've seen things about the Bruins are shopping Krejci around. To me, I don't think they would be right at this minute. I think they'll be listening to offers because when some, when something like this happens teams are going to realise that we've got so many good centres that they're going to want one and Patrice Bergeron's never leaving so there's no point in even asking for him so it, it's got to be crazy they're ringing about but at the same time I don't, I don't see anyone moving because I can't see a clean deal for anyone out there that we actually need well in, in my opinion something's got to happen um, there's six million dollars in cap space. Uh, Brad Marchand uh, is on his last deal and will uh, his last year of his deal and is on a uh, UFA after this season, after this upcoming season. And yeah. you know, it, now you got now you got a very interesting situation coming up. Um, I really don't. I mean, obviously the good players and they play a role. But uh, to take the uh, them out of the equation, Tyler Randall and Noel Achari, I have nothing on this. But what's going to happen over this season is there's going to be some serious negotiations with uh, Ryan Spooner and David Pasternak. David Pasternak, to me, is going to be the most interesting one because, um, like I said before, and I, I don't mean to hound on it, I just get a real bad taste uh, with the feeling that he's going to pull a Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, that's the way to exactly. And and honestly, uh, I like Pasternak. I don't. I'm not. I'm not in love with the guy. You know, it, it, he's got good skill. He's got speed. He's got you know. He's got good attributes. But honestly, what has he done so far that's going to warrant him, you know, setting the tone for a uh, four million? Yeah. You know, because he, he, I mean, he'll certainly get it on the market. I think I think people have fallen in love with his kind of attitude, where he's he's always smiling, he's always happy. Yeah, he's a, he's a goofy kid. Yeah, so I think when the fans see that, they go, "Oh yeah, he's he's going to be great and all this," but he's to me, he's yet to prove it. Exactly. And when you say that, it's like to me, I'd re-sign him to a two-year deal at like. Three million, something like that, just to prove prove that you're gonna be a long term. That's yeah, kind of like with those bridge deals. Progress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Krug took one. Krug could have asked for way too much. Oh, like, because he's just re-signed now for quite a bit, and then and then you look at you look at what he got before this with his bridge deal, and you realise that he could have asked for a lot more. But he knew he had to prove that he's worth a lot more, and he has done. He's got bigger in his size. He's got more vicious in his play. He actually plays the body a lot more down the boards. He's stepped up and fought twice last season, which no one expected of him. So he's one of them. He's one of them guys where he took a bridge deal, basically a prove it deal, and he proved it, and now he's getting paid for it. Right. But also the way that you look at, you've just bought out Seidenberg, that saves you four million cap space. Well, it, it doesn't, but at the same time it saves you about half of his cap. And then Chara's going in two years. Yeah. He's got to be. He's got to be done in two years. So there's definitely going to be some money that's going to be freed up, but you know it's that it's that time frame of. You know, Pasternak's going to need a deal uh, at the end of next season. Uh, Marshan's going to need a deal at the end of next season, and I, I, I just see a lot of money going to both of those players um, sooner or later. 
But yeah, um, this, at the same time, do you expect Chara to keep playing his last season and demand his cap hit, or would you see him being the proper captain and retiring when he should do to be able to pay for them players? Because uh, otherwise, he's, is he going to screw Boston over by staying and giving us no cap space for the guys that we need to resign, or is he going to fuck off and do the right thing? Well, the next the next two years of his deal is uh, the first one, which is next season, is a six point nine million dollar deal, and then his last <clears throat> year of his contract goes down to four. Yeah, but that that's still four million. Yeah, I know, I know. A, four million is a lot when you ride in the cap, and the way that it's looking now, it's looking like we're gonna start riding the cap soon, especially if deals are made. So, and the way Sweeney's been making deals is more like lower end guys for higher contract guys. So, um, I just I don't see anyone out there that's really left on the free agency market that we can go after. So I won't be too scared about that. But at the same time, there's quite a few restricted free agents out there that I'm kind of scared that we're going to trade for them and pay them way too much yeah and we got to take a quick break um we're just uh doing a, a promo for the uh website and uh, we'll be back in in about five seconds you're listening to the black and gold hockey podcast you can catch our show on the hockey writers podcast channel available at thehockeywriters.com. all right um Getting back to like we were talking about the um, deals, upcoming deals that are coming up uh, after the end of next season. Uh, I, I got to ask: um, Are you comfortable with a uh, a seven year, seven million dollar contract um, rumor for uh, uh, Brad Marchand? No. No. So what? Just plainly no. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going to be really controversial and say what I'm actually thinking, I'd trade him right now while he's. While his value is so high, if he, if he's demanding seven years at seven mil, let someone else pay it. Really? Because because for seven years, seven mil. First of all, you don't want a guy going out taking stupid penalties like Marshawn does every season. Yeah. There's always there's always a ten game span where he's going to do something stupid. Look at the the Borowinski hit. Was it last season or the season before? Where he basically hip checked him and landed him on his head when there was nothing going on, and then you've got other, you've got every season you've got an example of how he's going to do something stupid and get himself suspended, and then we lose out on a top six winger for exactly five to ten games. Exactly so for seven million, no, for maybe six. Still, six at seven years is a lot of money. Um, my thing about this whole thing is, I just the you know his value is high right now. He's coming off of a of a very close thirty goal year. Uh, did he get thirty this year, or was it like twenty eight? No, he got he got thirty seven this year. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, my thing is 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 if he walks. You know that's that's two thirty goal scorers in the last two years that just you know gone off the team. I I try my best to lock him up, but at the same time, I I don't think he's got a no trade clause remaining. Um, and if he if he does, it's it's got to be like a fifteen team list. By now, he's got a no trade. But is it a limited no trade or? Um, the icon on generalfinancial.com says it's just a no trade clause. It's a blue, and the red is a no movement clause. Oh, so so he's got to submit to at least what fifteen? Yeah, it must be fifteen teams. So, I mean, you've got room to move him, and I know, I know every fan that's listening to this right now is going to be wanting to kill me. <laughs> but at the same time, you got to think about it. if a guy demands seven years at seven million. Three, four years down the line, when this guy does something stupid and gets himself suspended badly, because it, it 
he's got a proven track record of every year. I think it's every year for the past four years he's had a suspension. So it, it only takes the NHL to turn around and go, right, we're going to make an example out of you. Right. And then we lose a guy for 30 games, maybe. So I don't want to see it. But at the same time, I, I, I love him as a player. I absolutely love what he represents as a player because he's that pest that plays the line. But at the same time, I don't like when he purposely does something stupid. It's risky. And, yeah. But if you think about it, all them times he's been suspended over the past two years where we've missed out on the playoffs by a point. Mm-hmm. And he's meant to be a leader who goes out there and helps us get to the playoffs. And if he hadn't missed them games, who knows? Could have made the playoffs. Right. And the haunting fact that the Bruins only needed a 5-5 five and five record in the last 10 games to secure a playoff spot. But that's yeah. either here or there, but it's uh, it's, a, it's frustrating. But I, I don't mind the deal. I, obviously, I'd like to see, like, what you touched on is the term. I, I, seven years is a bit much for me because you know, like you said, you could have two or three good seasons and then just fall apart. Yeah. So it, it's not really the falling apart point scoring wise that I'm scared of. It's the falling apart, like doing a Matt Cook and just nailing people for fun, right? Kind of thing, like that. That's what I don't want to see from him because we've seen it in the past and we've seen he's capable of being that type of idiot. <laughs> I I just don't want to see him screw it up for the rest of the team when we actually have a team that can compete. Right. So. The whole the whole Winter Classic thing was 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 frustrating for me. <clears throat> yeah. But. But it it's one of them things like. People will say you can't look into the like back into the past and dwell on things, but at the same time, when you're looking at contract negotiations, I was just about to say to, that. Yeah, you have to. And if I was Sweeney, I would be turning around. And if he said, if Marshawn said seven years, seven mil, I'd say no, you're crazy, because I'd, I'd pull a sheet out of all his suspensions and all the game tape of his suspensions and what he did. And I go, right, that knocks off half a million. That knocks off half a million. Because you just can't do it. Right. You don't see Stamkos getting, doing this kind of thing every year and then expecting the same amount of money as a guy like Stamkos. So, just can't do it. Speaking of contracts, um, another frustrating topic that I keep seeing on a, on a seemingly daily basis is uh, Jimmy Vesey. Um, oh, yeah. I know it's it's maddening, um, but you know it's it's summertime and people got to write what they got to write, you know. But here's my thing that frustrates me about this whole Jimmy VC baloney is if the Bruins are lacking in defense, and what it seems like the defense is the biggest obstacle right now that they have to conquer. Why? Are they waiting to make a defensive move with the thoughts of a forward that's going to be able to sign with any team on your birthday, August fifteenth? Well, here's the way I. See I mean, it's it. ass backwards to me. If you know, if you want to fix something, you fix it. You don't add an addition to the top. You know, top yeah, twelve. At the same time, the way I see it is the whole thing with Jimmy Vesey is if we get Jimmy Vesey then I can see a guy like David Krejci going. Because you've added top six depth. If he is a top six player, because we've never seen him play an NHL game, or an AHL game, or any of that. So, you you add a top six winger, you put David Backus in that second line role, and then David Krejci goes. But, what a lot of people haven't realised is we don't know what he is we don't know how he's going to play everyone's saying oh he's the same as Eichel and Eichel came in and just destroyed so Vesey's going to do exactly the same thing 
just I, what I've done is I've given up looking like as soon as I see the name Beezy I just don't I just scroll on keep scrolling don't look. yeah don't bother the all of the Boston media have got all of this now and it's it's the only thing left to talk about over the off season so that they're all going to post about it and the same thing's happening to every team that he's linked with so I just ignore it I, right. I just think you got to wait on him and I'd be surprised if he signs with the team on August 15th I think it'll go past August 15th and I think he'll make teams wait and wait and wait and then it'll sign sweat it out yeah but what I what I don't want to see, and I, I have this feeling it's going to happen. What I don't want to see is on August fifteenth or the day that you think he's going to sign, when he sweats out these NHL teams and makes them think, like he like he did to Nashville and toyed with their emotions. Yeah. If he signs with another team, I don't want to see the Bruins go after a player like Chris Russell or James Wisniewski. You know what I mean? I mean, these are things that should have been addressed before this whole VC crap. Oh, yeah. But, like, I think there's guys like Dumber have signed and, like, in restricted free agency. You've still got guys left there. So, I think the Bruins are waiting out, seeing how players are reacting to their contracts that they're being offered and whether it's going to go further and further and further because if a player is just going to walk from restricted free agency then what's to stop them trading that player for like a second round pick do you know what I mean yeah yeah, that's a good point so why not wait these guys out there's still there's guys like Truba still isn't signed and I've been saying this all along, don't pay Truba the money that people are saying to pay him. Not only that, but what you have to give up just to get him. Well, yeah. That's so, so just wait it out. Just wait it out until everything's done. And then, yeah, pay Truba $5 million if you're not paying two second-round picks or whatever. Like, pay him the money then, but don't pay two to four first-round picks and then pay him the money. Because then it's daylight robbery, and you can't go four years without a first round pick. And to get a first round pick, you're gonna to have to trade something pretty special. So. Especially a team like the Bruins, which seems. I mean, I'm gonna call it a rebuild. I don't care what Don Sweeney or Cam Neely say. It looks rebuild to me, or retool, whatever you want to say. See, to me, it's it's the bottom six and the bottom pairing. Well. Actually, it's the bottom six forwards and the top D pair that are actually in the rebuild, and the rest of it is actually okay. Right. To me. Like, to me, we lack depth at wing and we lack a first pair on D. If we had them things, we'd be a really strong contender. Especially with the addition of David Backus on that. If he plays that first line wing role, then. If you get the depth at wing and you get your first line deep air, you're sorted. But at the same time, we're not going to get that first line deep air because even if you add a right-handed defenseman to that first line, you've still got Chara out there. So I don't see him contributing points-wise and I don't see him being great defensively this year. I think he's going to slow down even more. So, I, to me, I'd stick Krug up there. Right. Stick Krug on the first pair. Stick another guy on the right right side of him, and then let Chara play less minutes. Uh, that's that's his his minutes are gonna have to change. Yeah, it's it's just it's absolutely ridiculous that they're expecting him to play these minutes at nearly forty because his body can't take it. I guarantee, I'm going to call it right now, he's going to get injured this season. Oh. Because you can see it every time he blocked a shot last season, it it hurt him. 
no matter if it was like a little pinger off his shin pad or anything like that, it hurt him. And you can see him start to age and age as the season goes on. Right. And that, that nose is getting redder every game. It's turning into Rudolph when it gets to Christmas. Because his body can't take the punishment that it used to. He's not a Norris Trophy winner anymore. So, it, it sounds bad, but it's the story of old Yelly. you just got to take him round the back and finish <laughs> him off at the end of this season. <laughs> That's a hard way to put it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, would you want to pay six million to a guy who can barely skate yeah. when it comes to the end of the season? Because nope. if you look, if you look at them last five, five games of last season, that guy could not skate. He couldn't turn properly on his ankles. He couldn't get his edges right. It, the only thing he has is that long reach with his stick. Right. So by the end of the season, you better hope that we have a guy who can step up and take his minutes. Because otherwise, the same thing is going to happen. It's going to be the last ten games, and we're going to be close to the playoffs. It's just going to all fade away. Well, we're going to take another quick promo. We'll be right back in a couple seconds, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, the potential of um, if Chara is either injured or leaves the team. Who's up next? We'll be right back. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. So go uh, getting back to... Uh, you know, life after Chara. Uh, who do you think is ready for to step in that role? Uh, Brandon Carlo is heavily, heavily favored. I'm picking Lawson. Yeah. Yeah. I like Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy's a good player. The minutes he logs, and I know this is at junior level, but the minutes he logs is ridiculous. Like well, that's that's important. In, in, in any development, any player's development, more time on the ice, it, it just creates more opportunities for, for your, you know, your future resume. And, yeah. I, you know, I got to agree with you. I, I, like, I like the way you're angling this. Um, and he's not as big as a, a Carlo, per se, but he can definitely put up more points. Yeah, but you look at a guy like Letang, who's been the cornerstone of Pittsburgh for so long. Like, he's not a big guy. He's not a strong guy. But he's good defensively. He you reads the ice well. Yeah, he transitions very well. Yeah, and you, can you imagine having Lawson and another puck-moving defenseman, probably McAvoy, on his right side, and they'd be deadly together? Let me tell you, I've been... Dreaming of a um, uh, Carlo Lawson um, Lindgren. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Like Grizzlick, McAvoy. You, can you imagine all those guys in the 2015 and 16 draft stepping right in and and you know I mean not right in but you know in the future. That it's yeah. going to be a scary defense. In the you know in the next I want to say three to four years, and one of them names that you mentioned is going to be my favorite player when he steps on the ice, and L- that's Ling- Lindgren. He is amazing. Let me tell you something. I went to like I, I mentioned before. I went to the um, uh, the development camp, the last one in Wilmington at the Rajusha Arena, and I, I went for all four days from Tuesday to Friday, and it was an absolute amazing experience. I got I, I got a real good look at um, a lot of uh, draft picks from the past and, and some camp invites. I was very impressed with. Um, just just to name off a few, uh, Grizzlick, Matt Grizzlick was awesome. He he did very well all four days. Uh, a surprise was Emil Johansson. He, he he that kid's got some speed and a and a and a what a release. Uh, Ryan Lindgren and uh, Charlie McAvoy. Those, I mean, just those defensemen right there were, were very surprising. Um, uh, Zborl was, I don't know, I, 
it's hard for me with that guy because he's so inconsistent. Yeah, and you know his mentality. So right, it makes it hard to read him because he's questioning whether he can't do something or he can't be bothered doing it. And because that's the way I see it. When I look at game tape of him, I think, is he actually struggling to do this, or can he just not be bothered? Right. And I've I've talked to a couple people that um, are, are close to the St. John Sea Dogs, and he, they, you know, they said the same thing. It's like some years he's 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 working hard in the off season and he prepares himself very well for the upcoming year. But you just don't know what player you're going to see on day one. Yeah. You know, it's he's consistent. He can have a, an outstanding year, and then the next year it's just like oh, you barely even hear from him. Yeah, the thing that scares me about him is he's one of them players that I can see getting frustrated at the NHL level and going abroad. Going wow. off to the KHL or SM Liga or somewhere like that because he's one of them guys that would dominate over there. But if he doesn't dominate at the NHL level, does right. he stay? So, but we'll see. It's a, it's a long time off anyway with him. So. The um the 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 big surprises for me at that development camp were uh with Brandon Carlo, um yeah. he's I mean he, the guy's got a ton of attributes and he's got game, but him and uh Willie Sh- Wiley Sherman from yeah. Harvard, Sherman Tank. Yeah, I mean, they're they're both big skaters, but I I got to be honest with you. I saw a little guy like Oscar Steen make those two look foolish. Oh, yeah. I mean, the puck battles, I mean, against the wall, the kid was skating around these players on the one-on-one battles. I'm pretty sure it was Steen who we saw score that breakaway goal, and I'm pretty sure that was against... uh, Who was that again? Uh, Carlo, one of the drills. And he just went past him like he was nothing and ripped it home and I was saying when we did our draft special after the draft when when we were talking about Oscar Steen I was saying he is a little fast firebug I remember that and he is he, he reminds me a bit of Marshawn when he first came through he, he's fast he can uh, score unbelievably but, fast um, oh yeah. the, he did very well in the drills um, there were three days of drills uh, in different sessions. I mean, basically, the uh, on Tuesday it opened up at uh, eleven o'clock, and nine o'clock was the um, you know the strength and conditioning tests. Yeah. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were all just drills. You know, uh, pylon drills, up and down the ice, side to sides, and blah blah blah. And then the f- the final day on Friday was all three on three scrimmages. Um, there was a a, a a session in the uh, in the morning that had uh, three on threes with uh, split ice. So it was it, the ice was basically from um, a face a face off circle to face off circle. Yeah. And on both sides, and then they opened it up to a three on three full ice, which was that's what I really wanted to see because that's when I can judge and get a true evaluation of how a player. Is you know the stride, speed, the vision, um, and I, I mean names like Oscar Steen surprised me. Danton Heinen was awesome to watch all week. Uh, another one that's got a quick release and fast feet. Yeah, just he's he's probably my pick for the fourth line at the start of next season. Ah, uh, I mean he, he's he the kid can move. He can stick handle in a phone booth. Um, oh, yeah. Jesse Gabriel was another one I was excited to watch. Um, that kid's just got an unbelievable shot, release, and speed. Uh, Ryan Donato was a very, very surprise for me. He was another guy that got the best of Carlo. I think uh, I think Carlo's going to struggle with that at, at this level. I think that's... If you look at big guys in the past, guys like Tyler Myers like big guys like that who are tall they always seem to struggle first couple of seasons like 
stick length and all that stuff and battling smaller guys along the boards and trying not to give away penalties when you're playing against a guy who's a lot smaller and not as tough as you. Right. I, I, I really think he will struggle with that. But at the same time, that's the kind of stuff that he's going to struggle through to realise how to play at the NHL level. So it's good to see that he is progressing because it, from what I saw on the internet from different people that have gone and from different Boston outlets, they were all saying that he has progressed from what we... Good. Yep. So, yeah, he's just... Uh, he's going to have to work hard to become an NHL guy at this level because being a tall guy he's just going to struggle a bit at the beginning but as long as he keeps struggling through it and learning while he does it then at least then he'll become a better player because he'll have something to struggle through whereas a lot of players it just it comes naturally they don't progress as well right so yep Jake DeBrusque was another um, surprise for me at training camp. Game-winning goal as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a sick one. Uh, Apparently being very greedy as well with the puck. Yes. Yes. Um, Goaltending at the development camp was interesting because uh, I did not see anything good from Zane McIntyre or Malcolm Subban. Um not sure if they took this uh, training camp seriously since they already have jobs and uh, are in the depth um, charts of the uh, the organization already but uh, and, and Daniel Vladar was amazing I, 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 I praise that kid now that I've seen him uh, not game action you know this is just a, a, a development camp I understand that but he showed a very a lot a lot of good skills, and 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 it's shocking to me. Above those three, McIntyre, Subban, and Vladar, this kid Stephen Dillon, which is a 17-year-old who was invited just to show up at camp as a fourth goaltender, um, stood out to me too. He played very well. And from what I'm hearing, he's going to be touted as quite a high pick next season. Yeah. By lots of things. Yeah. So I think uh, I'm kind of hoping that he's on the Bruins radar. That'd be that'd be nice because I mean, like I, I did see a lot of good things. Takes um, he's not a very tall kid. Um, they have him listed here at uh, oh he is he's six four. Mm. Oh, I thought he was shorter than that. Maybe it's because of where I was sitting. But anyway, uh, yeah, he showed a lot of good skill, and uh, hopefully, he's going to be on somebody's radar. Yeah, from what I'd seen, that I think he'd gone to another team's camp as well. Yeah. The week before. Yeah. So, uh, from from the looks of that, it looks like with players like that, they sometimes go around the camps and like meet some of the people so they can see what it's like to be around that organization so maybe maybe that is him just checking out the local scene and trying to get on the Bruins radar basically right so I'm hoping so because with goaltending you never know how long it's going to take a player to get to the NHL level whether they'll get to the NHL level so you can never have too many goaltenders I mean, you know, I'm, I was a former goaltender. You you still play. Um, it, you don't get... To me, it was my mid-20s to, like, the, the late 20s that I really started getting better and, and getting my game in check. And it seems like that, that happens in the National Hockey League and, and developmental stages of the organization, too, that goaltenders are always the, the ones that, you know, peak... Uh, later on in in their careers, yeah, you you see little snippets of it like Andrew Hammond last season. I know he's a bit older; he's around, I think he's around twenty six, twenty seven. But he he I I'd never seen him play like that before. And a lot of people are saying that 
they'd never really seen that out of him for that big a stretch of time. Right. He'd always been a a solid AHL goaltender, but uh, even a lot of the writers for them had said they didn't expect that from him. Uh, the the same kind of thing with Matt Murray. I think he's expected by the Penguins fans. He's expected to be a starter, like even before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. I've seen articles saying that he wasn't projected to be anywhere near this level for another few years. So, with goaltenders, it's always hit or miss. When are they going to play well? But it's all it, at the moment, it always seems like the ones that excel are the ones that, when an injury happens and they step up, they want to make a statement. And it's happening every season now that a goaltender's coming up due to injuries and he's just playing amazing. Right. So I'm I'm hoping for the same thing from guys like Subban and McIntyre, but at the same time like you can't see it right now because we we don't know how they're gonna behave at the NHL level until we see him. So That's true. So, um, yeah, so development camp was amazing. Uh, great experience. Uh, I cannot wait to do it next year, which will be at the new Warrior Ice Arena in Alston Brighton, which is the new training facility. Um, some of, uh, I, I got to meet some, some very interesting people. Um, but uh, what, 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 was, what was really blew me away was the Bruins, for 30-some-odd years, have used this facility in Wilmington, and believe it or not, it's only 7,200 square feet. And that that just blew me away. But this new ice arena is going to be 75,000 dedicated just to arena. 25,000 is going to be dedicated to uh, locker room and training facility. So it's a huge, huge upgrade. And that's a draw for players to come to. I was just talking team. about this at 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 a, um at a party last night around a campfire, you know. I mean, this this is like make or break deal crap, you know. Who who wants to go to win a dump that's you know, in Wilmington and you know, here's our training facility and we'd love to have you come here and play. I mean, yeah. that's a make or break deal, you know. It might sound stupid, but. You know, if you don't have the, the, the up-to-date amenities that a lot of the other NHL teams and organizations have, you, you might not get a good player. Yeah, and you, you see it with other sports like football and everything, that a lot of players tend to go to the places that have the money to build these places. Right. So hopefully it's a drawing point for the Bruins and hopefully it keeps going for a long time because from what I've seen of it through pictures it does look like a great place yeah I, I'm, I look forward I'm going to be there I'm going on assignment again uh, for the rookie camp and uh, full training camp um, in mid September I believe it uh, camp opens with the rookies on the 22nd of September so I'll be there for a couple days you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Oh, yeah. So um, we're, we're getting to the end of the podcast, and I, I really wanted to touch on um, on our off, our off session. We're talking about David Backus and the role he's going to play on the team, and uh, you brought up some very interesting points, and I'd love to hear it again. Yeah, so with Bacchus coming to the Bruins, he adds two things. He adds a position at right wing next to Bergeron and Marchand that he can stay at all season because he's always going to produce 100%. Like he's, he's not the type of player that will have little flashes of, oh, he's on his game this, this game or... Oh, he doesn't look so great this game. He's all he's like Bolesky, but with a lot more skill. So he's going to be pushing constantly, and he's going to be pushing the guys around him. So he's either going to play a hell of a lot of games at right wing on the first line, or he's going to 
play at centre and then fill in for people who are injured. But at the same time, if you if you look at what he did at St. Louis last season, he knows he's getting a bit slower in his skating ability, so he's changed his game. He's he's got an incredible shot from from wherever he is on the ice. He's available for one time as most of the time because he keeps himself wide open. He's always looking to slip his marker. He's just got a great release, great slap shot. But the best thing about him is he crashes the net, he stands in front of the net, and he tips pucks in non-stop. The amount of deflections he had last season, I think from what I counted, I think he had about 12 goals all from tippings. And then the rest of them were from one-timers from passes across the slot or he just broke in and wrist shot straight to the top corner. So he's a deadly guy when he's on the ice and not only when he has the puck, but when he's not got the puck. So I'm hoping next season he's probably one of our more productive guys. And I think I prefer him over Ericsson, if I'm going to tell the truth. Right. Because with that signing, it proves one thing, and that's Sweeney wasn't lying when he said he wants to go back to the big bad Bruins. Because you've, you've just signed David Backus, the one man wrecking crew. Right. So, it. Uh, I'm going to call it now. One player is going to go through the glass next season from one of his hits. Because <laughs> I, I watched about three hours of game tape over the last two weeks all of just David Backus all of times that he's had the puck on his stick or he's been going in on the four check and some of them hits I can't imagine anyone likes to play against him so uh, sorry uh, folks we're going to end the show now we're having technical difficulties with the Skype application and uh, we'll be back next week um, to you know, address some more Bruins hockey talk. Uh, really sorry about this. Yeah, and if you have any questions that you want answered or anything like that, feel free to leave a comment on wherever you're listening to this, or on the Black and Gold Facebook page. And yes, we'll try and answer some. Absolutely, yeah. Feedback is huge. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, what we can do to make improvements. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, you can always send me an email, us an email that is black n gold hockey blog at gmail.com. And I can be found at uh, THW black and gold on Twitter. Rob, where can I find you? Uh, I'm at Rob40Bruins on Twitter. Awesome. So happy to answer any questions anyone has yeah again we apologize for this and we'll get back we'll, uh, hopefully Skype will uh, get their stuff uh, situated and uh, we'll get back to Hockey Talk next week yeah alright thanks Rob alright thanks thanks for listening everybody Join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.